0: I'm Brian Brister, a worship leader, certified health coach, and fashion photographer. Welcome to the Brian Brister Experience Podcast. I'll be sharing with you from a myriad of topics that I gather from suggestions I receive on my social media accounts or in conversation with friends. I'll also interview cool people doing cool things in the world, probably while drinking coffee, definitely while drinking water. Thanks for joining Today, we are talking to my friend, Colton Thomas. Colton and I have been friends, oh gosh, I don't even know. What year would we have met?
1: Probably the late spring of 2016.
0: Okay, all right, cool. So about four and a half years. Yeah. So Colton and I know each other because his now wife, Sarah, Mm -hmm. has been my sister's roommate since 2006, Cindy Lou. So you guys Mm -hmm. have heard me talk about her. Cindy and Sarah have been friends and roommates since 2006. So she has been a part of our family for a very long time. So whenever Colton entered, he had no other option. He also had to be family. The other cool thing is that whenever Sarah and Colton got married, they actually asked me if I would be willing to officiate their wedding. And so I was able to officiate their wedding, which was the first wedding that I'd ever officiated. And so I always feel even closer to them because we now have that special bond as well.
1: Yeah. That's a mutual feeling for sure. We absolutely cherish our friendship with you, obviously before you officiated our wedding, but yeah, it's, it's absolutely, we feel the same way. It's exciting. I appreciate yeah, that. We love that. Thanks. You're welcome.
0: Colton is a super cool dude and a father of two, which mm-hmm. we will talk about in a little bit. He also loves to play disc golf. Indeed. And he loves to fish. Indeed. So we're going to talk a little bit about what a
1: weird guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we're gonna talk a little bit about Colton and his life and what those things are for people who don't know what that's like. We'll start with some simple stuff. Okay. What were you like growing up?
1: I think you and I were probably similar in the sassiness. I know you've talked about that on your podcast. Yeah, I was always a little smart alecky. I was mostly a fun loving child. I had a nickname growing up called Kissy Face Child, if that explains <laughs> anything. I, I was I've always loved being affectionate to people, love giving hugs, love giving kisses on the cheek. Just generally a a good, happy kid for sure. Yeah, That's awesome. I love
0: that. What is your favorite memory as a child?
1: Oh, goodness gracious. I don't know if it's anything uh, specific, but just I have very fond memories of my brother and I and my mom and stepdad camping. We spent a lot of time in the outdoors, and I think that's really fueled my interest in the outdoors. Any time that we went camping was always a very, very special moment to me for sure.
0: Yeah. I love that. What is your favorite part about being outdoors or what is your favorite activity outdoors?
1: The favorite part is probably just the f- the feeling of wholeness I get whenever I'm outside. I just breathe easier. I don't know. I really like the way the sun feels on my skin. It just makes me feel better as a human being for sure. As far as my favorite activity, it's definitely seasonal. In the autumn, I'm a big fan of fishing for trout whenever the trout spawn is on and also occasionally deer hunting. For the summer, I'm a huge disc golfer. Anytime that I have the opportunity to get outside, I'm going to go play disc golf.
0: You mentioned trout fishing. So mm-hmm. for someone who's never been trout fishing or doesn't really know what yeah. that's about, what what should we know about trout
1: fishing? Oh, goodness. Fishing. Man, oh, man. Well, we are currently in the natural state, the great state of Arkansas. And so if you are new to trout fishing, what I would do is I would come to Arkansas And get a guide on the little red river or the white river those are two of the of at least the contiguous united states best trout fisheries they are lake fed so you can fish them all year a lot of people will eat the trout i guess or any fish that you catch but As a fly fisherman, we really enjoy the idea of catching a big fish, releasing it, and knowing that maybe our buddy in three years is going to catch the same fish exactly.
0: I didn't realize until you said it, but I know nothing about trout fishing. I I grew up fishing. My dad and I
1: went fishing all the time, but it was mostly
0: catfish or bluegill or perch. So yeah, that's an interesting thing as well. Right on. Okay. So disc golf. Yeah. It is probably one of the first things that I learned about you was okay. how passionate you are about it. And right I knew on. a little bit about it because some of my friends in college played disc golf. Sure. Yeah. But tell me, what is it about disc golf that you love so much?
1: Okay. Well, it's uh, I actually picked up disc golf in college. So that's kind of funny. What do I love? Th- Man, it, it, just, it, it's, it just goes back to being outside. I really just feel better outside. And so disc golf is fun. I grew up playing ball golf with my dad. Never got exceptionally good at that ball golf, just like regular stick and ball golf. Never got exceptionally good at that. That's what disc golfers refer to golf as ball golf. It makes us feel better, <laughs> right? So that it's distinguishable. that's distinguishable. So I grew up playing ball golf. And then in college, a couple of buddies went out and played disc golf one time and I wanted to join them and really just loved it. Loved seeing a disc fly through the air. I mean, I've got to sound like a nine-year-old, but throwing Frisbees through the air is so freaking cool sometimes. Just what you can do. And then you get good at it, and you can manipulate the discs exactly how you want to. And then you get really good at it, and you start playing well enough to play in tournaments and stuff like that. It's always been, at least as long as I've been, playing an easy sport to get into. You can buy discs anywhere and go out to... Most cities these days have disc golf courses. We're in a small part of Arkansas, and there are probably... 15 to 20 disc golf courses within an hour of us wow yeah yeah that's crazy yeah it's free to play with ball golf you pay greens fees cart fees all that sort of thing for the most part most of these courses are built on public land so it's free to play there's some private courses obviously where you can pay yeah it's just super easy to get into so i think that's what 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 hooked me so easily
0: I have, I'm now going to refer to this as ball golf until okay. the end of time. So that's right exciting. Yeah. Um, I've played ball golf a couple of times. Sure. And I have a couple of friends who are really good at it, who are instructors. Nice. Oh, and wow. so I've had a bit of conversation with them about courses and all of those types yeah. of things. But my question is, in disc golf, mm-hmm. what are the things to take in consideration when others are around? Is it also the whole hush, hush, very quiet, that type of thing?
1: There's a There's a sense of respect for sure. But absolutely not. It is fun to high five. I mean, if you go to your local disc golf park on a Friday night, I can almost guarantee you someone is drinking a bush light while they're playing, walking around. There's definitely the sense of respect, but as far as the unwritten rules of golf and stuff like that, I don't even know if that's what I mean. As far as the poshness, if you will, that that is not there with disc golf at all. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was kind of my next deal is, and this isn't for everyone, but very often ball golf feels Mm -hmm. like you have to put on a specific outfit and act a specific way and remember to lift your pinky every time you drink.
1: Mm -hmm. Sure. Not the case with disc golf. I play in my booty shorts and my chacos, sometimes shirted, sometimes not shirted. Yeah, I have a good time. But in, in actual professional tournaments, the professionals are not looking like I'm looking. They're out there in either slacks or shorts and a nice collared shirt with their sponsors on it, that kind of thing. But as far as me and the boys know, you don't have to wear a collared shirt whenever you play, for sure. Okay. That's nice.
0: Referring to me and the boys, have you made friends specifically on the golf course or friendships that have grown closer because of disc yeah, golf? Yeah,
1: Absolutely. I don't know if I've ever actually met anyone on the course that has become like a close friend of mine. Now, I will meet people on the course and play with them often for sure. And there's definitely that level of camaraderie where you're like, oh, I played with Freddy 17 times. I know he's going to be awesome to play with. Cool, let's play again. But two of my good friends who were groomsmen in my wedding, we all kind of picked the game up simultaneously and, and really got good and have gotten better at disc golf together. And that's definitely solidified our friendship for sure. And it's also something that we all look forward to doing as a group is going out and playing disc golf. So yeah, it's a a it is a, it's fun to play by yourself if you want to give yourself that mental time to relax in the outdoors, but it's also a tremendous time with buddies for sure.
0: So with regard to disc golf courses, you spoke a little bit about that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I know that in ball golf, there are courses that people dream of playing. Like, I have to travel to this place to play that course. Is it the same in disc golf?
1: Certainly. Absolutely. There There are absolute dream courses. As far as the exclusiveness that you feel like if you're talking about playing at Pebble Beach or the Masters... It's a once-in-a-lifetime trip to be able to watch the Masters in person, let alone play on the course. What is very cool about disc golf courses is uh, that any course you see on these professional tournaments, for the most part, are very, very easily accessible. For instance, there is the United States Disc Golf Championship Tournament at a just a beautiful golf course that people revere called Winthrop Gold. It's in South Carolina. That is one of those peak-of-the-peak peak courses to be able to play. Yeah.
0: What makes a person get to that level? What makes them good enough or what makes a good disc golf player?
1: Oh, goodness. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? You just practice, practice, (laughs) practice for sure. I don't know if there's a certain criteria. Being sponsored is the first and probably hardest thing to do is to be able to distinguish yourself amongst the hundreds of thousands of players of disc golf to become sponsored to where you can afford to go to these different tournaments. And play throughout the year otherwise if you're not sponsored you can't really afford to travel often to play in the tournaments but as far as talent you just have to be very freaking good you just can't miss putts you can't throw out of bounds often you just have to be very good there's a rating system which is just a whole nother thing but usually about uh, this is going to mean absolutely nothing to you unless you know about disc golf but usually the good players start at about a And the best player in the world, I think, right now, Paul McBeth, is like 1050 rated or 1060 rated, something like that, which is just absolutely absurd. Wow. Yeah. So, disc golf was originated in California. And in California, they all play only par threes. And par threes can usually be anywhere from 500 feet, which is absurdly long, to 150 feet, which is just a a putt and approach. You just chip it in. So, yeah, there are 1,000 foot, 1,200 foot par fives in other places. Um, so they can get pretty far for sure.
0: Cool. Yeah. I know in ball golf, there are sand pits and things yeah. like that that you have to maneuver sure. around. What sure. is that like in disc golf?
1: And disc golf, the only equivalent would really be, so mostly, I mean, ball golf courses, you're not playing in the woods. If you are, you're in trouble. In disc golf, it is very common for Holes to go through the woods to have mostly trees are great obstacles, obviously, but there's no sand pits, but certainly water can be in play if it's placed If the pin is placed close to the water. That would be a hazard, but no sand trips, just trees and water usually. And then wind obviously is a bummer, but that's not really on the course. Yeah. (laughs) It's up to the winds.
0: Yeah. All right. Is there anything else that we need to know about disc golf or a reason that someone should give it a shot?
1: Just get out and play. It's fun. It's so much fun. You will have a great time. You'll get some vitamin D in you, which is great. You'll see a Frisbee fly through the air. Yeah, I think you would just have a good time. Yeah, just play disc golf. Just do it.
0: So now moving on to your relationship and and what it's like to become a dad.
1: Yeah. Did you always know that you wanted to be a dad or wanted to have children? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Growing up, I was lucky enough to have a stepfather who was very important to me, uh, as well as my dad. And so to have two father figures and role models was just awesome. And so I know how important it is to have those relationships. and And I wanted to be the dad that had the relationships with somebody that I loved.
0: Yeah. For those of you who don't know Colton, he is one of the coolest dads to watch, um uh, with his children, uh, the way that he interacts with them, the way that he, he almost already treats them like an adult and yeah. has legitimate conversations with them and make sure that they understand everything that's going on. Even if it's something that with a kid under the age of three, you could literally say, because we don't do that. Colton wants to make sure that they understand the reason behind that. And sure. I think that's a really cool thing. What is it that made you want to have that type of relationship with your children?
1: well just not ever accepting because myself i don't think that that is a viable answer for whatever the the question may be i don't i just feel like i have a responsibility to my kids to be polite and explain things to them and and i want them to do to to do the same to other people i don't want their answer to be because to somebody i want them to say well this is why i feel this way this is why we're doing it this way i just feel like uh, having communication is very important yeah, And knowing how to communicate your ideas and, and what you think is very important. We have never baby talked to either my daughter or my son. And I think it shows in how articulate my three-year-old is. I can have full-blown conversations with her. And it is awesome. It is awesome. Because now I can trust her in different situations because I know she'll be able to tell me what's happening. Yeah, I think communication is so important. It's just opened up a world for us, for sure.
0: What is your favorite part about being a dad?
1: Oh, man here's a very random answer no one would ever expect the smells i have a very good strong nose and so i I like whenever things smell good it must be the pheromones i guess but whenever the kids lay in the bed with us on a saturday or sunday morning and uh, blakely will cuddle up with me and just the smell of her hair it's just the best thing in the world so maybe the smells how about that that. that's
0: awesome what's the hardest part about being a dad
1: oh uh patience for sure As a grown male or as a grown adult, male or female, you like to do things the way you want to do them when you want to do them. And with kids, it doesn't always work that way. And so you have to be able to roll with the punches and be patient whenever you normally in a situation wouldn't like. I know I can get in the vehicle by myself in three seconds, but with two kids, I understand that that is now a 17 minute process of running (laughs) back and forth to the house. And so just having the patience to know that three trips inside for a cup of milk is not the worst thing in the world.
0: Yeah. What have you learned about yourself since becoming a dad that you didn't know?
1: I thought uh, for sure I was a very selfish person. And I I think that I've learned to not be as selfish just because you don't have the time to be as selfish. If you're going to be a relatively decent enough parent, you're going to have to lose some of the selfishness or else your kids are going to be neglected. And I won't do that, obviously. So,
0: yeah. Uh, What have you learned about Sarah in watching her parent?
1: Oh, man. Just the same thing. Uh, her selflessness is extraordinary. I've seen that woman go without time and time again, just so that her kids were taken care of, for sure. I've also learned that she's a tremendous songwriter. She writes songs at the drop of a hat about nothing. Let's say we're eating macaroni. Well, in two minutes, there's going to be a macaroni song, and that's awesome. And I didn't know that I was signing up for that whenever I married her, and that's a plus, for sure, in my, column, in my uh, book, for sure.
0: Talk to me a little bit about your Relationship with Sarah and not necessarily okay. like how it started and what sure. the first date was, yeah. but what is it about being in a relationship with Sarah that you love and that makes you a better person?
1: it's such a cliche, but opposites attract is 100% a fact. As you can see, we're sitting, the listener can't see this obviously, but we're currently sitting in the closet and my master bath or my master bath closet. And you can see just the juxtaposition of my side of the closet compared to hers. It's just night and day. It really is we work together so well just because we can come at a a situation with different ideas of what we think is right or wrong. And we're both smart enough to articulate what those ideas are. And we're both open enough to accept the ideas and understand that what we're saying to each other is to try and either alleviate whatever the problem is or make a situation smoother. We both know that the end goal is a better life for her, for me, for our children. We really trust each other that we have each other's backs and that's what you have to have. I, I always know 100% of the time that Sarah's going to have my back and that's just awesome. And I, I hope and pray every day that she feels the same for sure. I, love and I think that. she does.
0: How long were you guys together before you got married?
1: Oh, math. Mm. So we met in the early part of 2016, I started dating and then we ended up marrying each other in the end of october in 2018 all right mm-hmm.
0: at, at what point in your relationship did you realize that sarah was the one that you wanted to commit to forever
1: oh man almost immediately our origin story is is a long one and because of the external stimuli that led us to each other we connected very quickly we had common ground that we were friends about immediately it was very quick. We meshed together very quickly, and I knew that she was a special person that I wanted to spend a lot, a lot of my time with. And we did and have, and so it's been awesome. From, like, the our first date, I think we went, maybe we've gone, besides vacations and stuff like that, like three days without hanging out with each other in a row. And so we really are just, we just like being around each other, which is pretty cool.
0: All right, and then... The other day at lunch, you and I were talking, and it was in reference to working out, which you have started doing a lot more recently. Mm -hmm. And you made the comment that it isn't always about motivation. Yeah, it's about discipline. Sure. And that really struck me because people ask me all the time, and my listeners know I've lost 155 pounds, which has been amazing. And people always say, "Oh, I wish I had the motivation that you have," or "How do I get the motivation that you have?" and I never know the answer to that because I know that I wasn't always motivated. And so I actually kind of felt like a fraud sometimes because I didn't know what to say to them whenever they were asking, how do you get motivation? And so I would be honest with them in the sense that I was like, I don't know. Sure. Because you don't always have motivation. And then whenever you said that on Saturday, I wrote it down and was like, oh my gosh, I'm saying this forever.
1: Yeah. I ripped that off of somebody. Probably one of the podcasts I listened to. But yeah, I completely agree with it, at least for working out whenever I began working out recently as an adult. Once I stopped feeling like I had to look for the spark to work out and that it was just what I did was working out and that I knew that I had to oh my gosh, it was just like a a switch where it it was even, it even became more enjoyable to, because I was like, yep, it's time to, instead of, oh man, am I feeling like it today? It's like, nope, you got to, you just got to conquer it and do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I actually saw that in action yesterday because you you woke up and you worked out, but Mm -hmm. then you had decided that you were going to run yesterday afternoon. And then literally up until like three seconds before you finally took off, you were deciding not
1: to do that. Yeah, I was trying to talk myself out of doing it. I was trying to punk out because that's what your body wants to do sometimes. And then you just realize, hey, I've got to do it, so let's go do it. And so you just go and run. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Before that, though, we were playing tag. Don't act like we were doing anything important. <laughs> we were playing tag, and I believe I won. I was freeze tag. Nobody wins in freeze tag. Uh, to be
0: fair, it was freeze tag, and you never caught me. Thank you very well, much. Well, I wasn't trying to. You also didn't catch your wife, and you were trying to.
1: That is fair. So. That is fair. She's quick. <laughs> She's quick. That's another reason I like her is because I know I can trust her in a freak out moment. She's going to be okay.
0: (laughs) What is your favorite part about working out?
1: And the reason I ask
0: this is because I hate working out. I hate everything about it. Anything that looks like working out, I I want to burn it to the ground. Okay. So what is it that you love about it?
1: Oh man, just the mental clarity I feel like I get whenever I work out or post working out. Whatever the endorphins are, whatever floods into my brain, whether it's serotonin or whatever it is, just makes me feel good after the workout. And so through that whole discipline thing, I've learned that how I feel after mentally is worth putting the physical pain through and pain, whatever the physical torture of the workout. (laughs) And then also I really just like feeling better. I move easier. I, I can do things better just whenever I feel like I'm exercising consistently. And then also the looks. You look better when you work out. Some people are f- afraid of sounding vain. I feel great knowing that my shoulders can cast shadows on villagers if I needed to <laughs> from all the shoulder presses I do, you know, that's a little vanity. Sure. And, and maybe a little vanity is good every now and again for seeing some results when you work out to know that it's worth it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I get that uh, in the sense that, so I don't remember if I've shared this or not, but at the beginning of quarantine... There was this Instagram challenge where you would do 10 pushups yeah. and then you would challenge other people to do 10 push-ups as well. Well, I got challenged. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Who to
1: guess uh, a health coach gets challenged All right. <laughs> real talk. Um,
0: but I was like, you know what? Sure, I'll do it. Whatever. We're all in quarantine. We're all bored out of our minds. We're all on social media. Absolutely. Yeah. It was terrible. Mm. I sucked so bad. Like, yeah. couldn't do one well, and 10 was a disaster. Yeah. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I can't do push ups. So many people can do hundreds of them. Yeah. And so I made my decision that day that that was going to be what I did in quarantine. Nice. I was going to do push ups. Nice. So every day I did 10 push ups. And then after five or six weeks, I did 15 and then yeah. 20 and then 25. Yeah. And then I got to the point where I could do 50 in a row. That's awesome. And it was the same thing where one day I looked in the mirror and raised my arms and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. look at my arms. Yeah. Yeah. This is amazing. And that was almost enough. To make me consider doing other things. Almost. Yeah, almost. almost. Right on, right on. Um, So I signed up for a gym membership and I went twice. Yeah. Um, So I guess it wasn't enough. Yeah. But you have seriously challenged me in that idea of
1: the reason I don't go to the gym.
0: One, I don't like it. Let's, I mean,
1: but aside from that. I don't go to a gym. I work out on my back porch. Yeah. Yeah. I get, I don't like that gym stuff. Either it's a Planet Fitness and everybody is in your space, or it's a city gym and you're going to see old naked dudes, which you don't want to happen. Yep. Either way, I'm not a fan of.
0: Yep. Both yeah. of those are real. Yeah. But so for me, I am never motivated ever to go to the gym. Yeah. I freaking hate it. No desire to be there. But I, I can't tell you how many times I thought of this quote, and it was literally Saturday morning that you yeah. said it. So it's like two days later, three That's days awesome. later. But in so many areas of my life, I wait for motivation to happen. And... That's not what it's about. It's about creating a discipline. And especially as an adult, yeah. what is our life if not disciplined?
1: And yeah.
0: yeah, so I seriously, thank you. Make so your much.
1: bed every day. That's not my idea either, but make your bed every day. A lot of people like to Yo, say that. Yeah. I do it every day. Yeah.
0: Literally. That yeah. is something that I have been disciplined about for years. and. Yeah. I typically make my bed within three or four minutes of waking up. Yeah. But if not, it definitely gets made like within (laughs) the next hour or so.
1: Yeah. That's a good way to start for sure. Just uh, to have that discipline. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I know that making my bed is a thing that I'm capable of. Yeah. I know that Choosing what goes into my body is something I'm capable of. Absolutely. So why am I not capable of all the other things that yeah. I know are also important? That so you know you.
1: your body can do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Oh, right on. You're very welcome. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't th-
1: I didn't know that it would strike such a chord with you. I'm glad I said it. Yeah, me too.
0: I'm super. Well, is there anything else that you would like to share or talk about?
1: Make sure you register registered to vote. Voting is very important. November uh, 3rd, Election Day, It's going to be a very important time. Uh, very weird time. Definitely register to vote, but also be nice to people. Life is not black and white. There is nuance. Just because I want to deer hunt does not mean that I am a right-wing extremist. People are not black and white Life is nuance. Be kind. Just because someone thinks some way about one thing does not mean that their entire life is in this weird square of ideology. I find it rewarding and refreshing to be this culmination of different paths as a human being myself. I don't think when people look at me, I mean I have long hair, a long beard, I wear booty khaki shorts almost every single day. I wear flip-flops. I have tattoos. And whenever they see me walk into, obviously I wouldn't walk into church in booty shorts. But whenever, I don't, what am I going now? I'm going to say stereotypes are bad. Yeah, stereotypes are bad too. But yeah, be kind to people and understand that there's absolutely nuance in life for sure. And that every single person has nuance to them.
0: Well, first off, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. Not a problem. I really appreciate it. I loved being able to learn a little bit more about you, the nuanced. um, There you go. Of things that I already knew. Yeah. But also just being able to share this with other people.
1: Well, I appreciate you you thinking that I am important enough to speak with you. I, I like that a lot. That makes me feel good. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mentioned this at the very beginning of wanting to create this podcast. I wanted it to be a place that I could share my ideas. But I also wanted to interview cool people doing cool things. Awesome. And you are one of those people for sure. Thank you very much. So yeah, thanks so much. And don't forget to vote. Whether this was your first time listening or you've been around for a while, I'd love it if you would share this episode with at least one person you think may enjoy it. Feel free to follow me on Instagram at Brian Brister for a more behind the scenes look at my life. You can also send me a DM or comment on my most recent Instagram post, whatever it is, if there's a specific topic you'd like to hear me speak on or if you have questions about something I said today. That's all for me. I'll be back next week. Until then, do good, be well. Oh, and drink some water.